And we are super psyched to welcome our newest sponsor, Thunder Road Guitars. Thunder Road Guitars is the Pacific Northwest best source for premium, new, used, and vintage guitars, amplifiers, and pedals. Online or in their Seattle, that's West Seattle, or Portland stores. You'll find fantastic customer service and a terrific vibe. I know because I'm in there a lot. Grab a cup of coffee, swing on in, don't spill your coffee, and check it all out. And now if you use code TOURSTORIES10, you can get 10% off at thunderroadguitars.com. Yes, that's me playing guitar. Hello, big news from our friends over at DistroKid. They now have an app. This app works on iOS and Android, of course, and it's available in the Apple Store and Google Play Stores and all the stores where you buy apps. Go check it out. It's got a lot of cool features. You can upload new releases. You can get notified when you've earned royalties. Awesome. You can withdraw from the app via push notifications. A little dangerous for me, but rad. Anyways, go check it out. It's all at distrokid.com app. And don't forget, you can still get 30% off your DistroKid account by going to distrokid.com VIP slash tour stories. Have a great one. We continue to celebrate our friends and partners over at Isotope, and we got some big news for you. The gold standard of audio repair, RX11, is coming in May. In the meantime, you can buy RX10 now on sale and get RX11 absolutely free when it's released. Tour Story listeners get 10% off by using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All at isotope.com. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com. Hello, Tour Story listeners. Thank you for your continued support, and welcome to Season 4. I'd like to take a second to thank our friends and sponsors over at Isotope. Here at Ruinous, Chris and I rely heavily on easy-to-use tools like RX and Ozone for all of our audio repair, mixing, and mastering. Now, Tour Story listeners can get 10% off Isotope plugins or try Music Production Suite Pro for free for 30 days using code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. To get your discount and check out all of their easy-to-use products, go to isotope.com slash ruinous. That's I-Z-O-T-O-P-E dot com slash ruinous. And use code FRET10. And thank you for listening. What's up, Jason? I'm Joe. What are you doing? Sounds funny. You like that ambience? Ambiance? I do. I'm in my driveway. I'm on the I-5 corridor, which I've been driving since I was, I don't know, probably 19 years old. And I am headed down to Seattle to unload a bunch of gear, help unload, to begin rehearsals, um, to get back on our course and make the rounds as a band. All right. How many times do you think you've made that drive? I have made this drive. How about instead of number of drives, let's go with mileage. <laughs> I'm going to say I have I have clocked. I'm going to venture to say upwards around 200,000 miles on the I-5 corridor between Bellingham and Seattle in my lifetime. Since I've been behind the wheel, that's what I'm going to guess. I, I did the southern version of that drive from Portland to Seattle for 11 years. 
that's that's a little that's twice the distance yeah i got out of thinking about it as mileage <laughs> yeah it was when i left if i didn't leave by nine going south you know and then i'd hit traffic there and i'd waste all this time but you know one thing i did Between was olympia and portland it's, it's great right because there's nothing yeah until you hit vancouver and uh without jumping right into drum nerdery uh it is i did practice a little bit but you know my right foot my gas pedal you have to have to have it on cruise control or you're gonna have terrible gas mileage thanks for reminding me i'll do that right now yeah do cruise control and drive safe please uh, i will um what have you been doing? I know you made a record, but what else have you been doing in the last, uh, I don't know, two years even? Yeah, exactly. Um, I've been doing a lot of work at home. Um, thankfully, I had the foresight many, many years ago to build a studio in my house. So yeah. when everybody got, when all flights were grounded March of 2020, and it was very clear that I wasn't going anywhere for a while. It was, it was nice to have a spot where I could literally go and sit down and hit record first thing in the morning, and, you know, mix a song late at night or around the clock. I mean, it, it's also a detriment because my wife and kids sometimes don't see me for full days. Right. But, but it was really great to have a spot that worked well for doing remote session work. And I, I think that in the last two years, I've done more session work at home than I have in the past 10 years. Yeah. Just because I, I is a combination of saying yes to everything. And, and I think everyone else was doing the same thing. So people couldn't leave, you couldn't go to the studio. And, uh, it was just kind of a new way of life. Plus I remember, you know, in the middle of 2020 being like, wow, is this it? Like, this is <laughs> <new>. <laughs> am I done touring? Am I, <laughs> Have I filled the? La- have I put the last stamp in my passport? Like not to get all dark. Like I knew that the world would come back around. We would be traveling, but I was like, "This is maybe the new gig." So I'm just going to go for it. And were you working on your stuff and uh, sessions with other people? Death Cab did a, a ton of demoing preparation for this new records. But besides Death Cab tracking, I did a session work for a number of people and producers and. Uh, licensing work, kind of soundtracky stuff. Did some work for Netflix, um, License Lab, um, uh, Andy Park, producer in Seattle, Rich Tosti, Malay, producer out of LA, um, random artists that would reach out over Instagram mm-hmm. for had a track or two. And, and all that, I was also trying to make time to teach. So I did a lot of online teaching people, which was nice because, you know, that whole Zoom platform and having multiple cameras in a studio at home, I could send good sound, kind of opened up the world to teaching possibilities. And I, I stayed very, very busy. I will just say that. Um, yeah. You take any of those Juliana improv classes? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do any of his improv classes. I should have. I know Mark. And I, I, it would have been totally beneficial, I'm sure. But It was killer. Um, I did one. I bet. Uh, yeah? Yeah. That's nuts. It was killer. It was fun. Yeah. I mean, this say what you will about this pandemic. I mean, I don't, I'd, I'd rather have gone through the past few years of not having a pandemic, sure. but it, you know, I, I read, I don't know if it was New York times or, or uh, the Atlantic or somewhere. I read an article where someone referred to this as the great pause, mm-hmm. the great depression with the great pause. And it, it was nice to, to be, to not have any other choice, but to go about your life differently. Yeah. And I think that a lot of musicians, 
discover things about themselves and, and also pull back the curtain on what they do and make time for other things. So the, the new record, Asphalt Meadows, comes out September 16th, right? Yeah. And the, the record before that, Thank You for Today, was 2019 or 18? I think it was 2019. Yeah. I'm just wondering, I can't remember, did you sneak in touring? I guess you wouldn't have had to if it was 18. We did. 18, we toured, but... yeah. I, I think the record came out in 18 and we toured in 19. Or it okay. came out er, early in 19. We toured all of 2019. I don't remember it being like like one of those two-year or 18-month album cycles. I think we, yeah. we toured for about a year on that record. But it was a while ago, especially with the great pause. Like It's hard to keep track of how long ago it was. It seems sometimes like it was five years ago. But You got the muscle still, you think? Tour muscle? Yeah. Um, that's funny, man. I, I'm ordering <laughs> the same thing. I, I think... There's a lot of different muscles it's, people yeah. don't think about. I don't think that you have tour muscle until you've been on tour. Personally. Yeah. But I also subscribe to the work smarter, not harder. So uh-huh. if I if I just like sat down behind the kit for say a five week tour tomorrow, I'm not going to try and play like I like when I left off sure. last album cycle. So I'm not going to hit that hard. I'm not going to play that fast. I'm not going to take that many chances. So. I stay in shape at home in terms of putting in time behind the kit. Like I said, a lot of recording, but there's nothing like that, as you know. Yeah. Most of the people listening, that that tour muscle that happens. You know what? I also think it's not just tour muscle. It's tour calibration. I think that we learn to be hyper-efficient and economical behind the kit in a live setting. But the only way you get there is by playing night after night, week after week especially in an exhausted state from all the travel that we have to do. Yeah, that's my that's my first thought on on that sort of thing and being in shape for tour is responding to general fatigue and then playing a show. Very true. And and you and I have both been on like a crazy travel day and all of a sudden wound up in the southern hemisphere and it feels like there's cinder blocks on our feet and no one's playing in the right tempo. <laughs> It's insane. It's like survival. But the good thing is when you're with your band, you're all in the same boat. So even though it feels crazy, you're not alone. And it's just, it's like survival. I don't have any real recipes or cures or snake oil for that solution. It seems to be different every year for me. It's like, well, do I, you know, if it's as simple as running and then sometimes it's like, maybe I should run less. Maybe I should do this. I've been playing pickleball on tour. That's awesome. Yeah, I think anything that gets blood flowing and moving on tours is really important. Well, are you, you've, you've got to be psyched either way, right? You're going to play a bunch of shows now. I am, and I'm, you know, it, it may sound cliche, but to say I'm thankful to be able to go out and play music is an understatement. Um, yeah. We've missed it. Uh, we've done a handful of shows throughout this pandemic. Yeah. And despite being fatigued or you know, out of practice, none of that mattered. It was just awesome to get up there and play. There was no yeah. judgment. Everybody was just psyched. And yeah, I mean, we'll be out in July for a handful of shows. And then again, as you mentioned, mid-September, new record comes out. We'll be supporting that for a good five weeks in the fall. All right. Well, in the meantime, I'd like to play Roman Candles. Sound good? Do it. 
it's literally hot that's not the right way to put it but it is on fire man sonic fire it's brutal in a great way you're kind of jam yeah um no offense to all the people that wrote incredibly tender possibly depressing songs over the course of the pandemic but i think that a lot of people were have been tired of feeling that way and, and they would like to to um, pick up the energy a little bit yeah that was the mo with uh, having kind of the first look or the first sneak peek of the record was to just be like, hey, we have been hanging our heads too low. Like, we've been really fucking curious about, you know, making music and we, we just we cannot wait to get back out there. So here you go. And that, that was a good statement, two minutes long or whatever. And uh, yeah. boom. And it is hot. Like, everything's hit hard. Like, everybody's smashing their instruments. It's like a, it's a catharsis in a way of like, yeah. So ready to get back out. Just that kick drum pulse is, I don't, I don't even know what it reminds me of, but it just, it reminds me of something equally is aggressive. And it's <laughs> probably some can thing or something. Um, and there's so many great that. layers. There's those layers of percussion. Uh, you know, I got in there as a drummer kind of deep. Those oh, yeah. kinds of stuff on there. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's, I mean, there's the main kick drum pulse is like a, I think that sort of set the the bedrock of the song. We used a, a Soma Pulsar drum machine and just destroyed the tone. And then I just doubled that Yeah. with the kick drum on the floor and then me fisting toms and snare drum. And, and there's, I'm crashing as many things as I can and at home, I, some of those crashes that you're hearing, like when that first, uh, those kind of sonic youthy guitars come in 
like in the third pass yeah. of phrase of it, there's a, a really big, uh-huh. like distorted sounding crash. That's like a 22 inch Keplinger stainless steel. It, yeah. Right. Right. It might be two of them, like in my boiler room <laughs> at home, like a concrete room. So after we track that song with, with Congleton for the whole record, I sent him like huge folders of, percussion overdubs and yeah. majority majority of those percussion overdubs the rest of the band had hadn't heard yet and they were like the most random shit i could throw at them so like all of keplinger's early percussion create you know like creations like weird car parts and hammered pieces of metal and i was just bashing the shit out of them in some percussive format of each song and then sending them to the congleton i was like have at it and I yeah. know that a lot of that wound up in Roman candles. It's just killer, especially with with the old headphones on. Thanks, man. So you started to say you guys made this record probably a combination, as everyone's doing it now remotely, and um, with Congleton in person. I'm assuming. Yep. Uh, and I know, and I'm sure you've continued to do this, but on Transatlanticism, you wrote some tunes. I'm assuming you kept writing tunes up until now. But do you guys have a general process for writing? Do you you pass stuff around? Does someone give you an entire song and you add your instrument to it? Yeah, so this time around, um, I mean, Ben has traditionally kind of written the lion's share of demos. Uh-huh. But this time around, especially with the pandemic, he, he was just feeling isolated as they all were and mm-hmm. idle. And he's like, I got this idea. Let's, let's do like a round robin version of demoing. So somebody starts a track on a Monday, passes it to another person on a Tuesday with five people in the band. That's, you know, a seed that begins on a Monday and someone delivers a mix in their final parts on a Friday. And every mm-hmm. time, Every time we pass the song, you have free license and full editorial, you know, purview to do whatever you want with the track. So sometimes whatever started on Monday was unrecognizable on a Friday. Oh yeah, cool. And there were other times when it was it was just a sort of a track stack and everybody's parts were represented. But the deal was you had to be cool with it. Whatever happened, yeah, happened. Yeah. And that really yielded some pretty amazing results. And Ben had already written a lot of songs and probably starting back in 2018. But there's one song on the record, um, it's called Fragments from the Decade. Zach and I ended up coming up with this jam at Jim Eno's studio in Austin on a day off. So he and I just wanted to go in and do some recording. And that song, I think, was from 2015. And it's on the this record so and that's not to say like we ran out of ideas and we were digging deep for whatever we could demo wise that's mm-hmm. just a song that ended up becoming part of this process however what i was going to say is i think as a band i mean we were we were close to a hundred songs demoed for this record and oh my god really maybe as many as half of those were all went through the, the round robin or a little less like yeah. the process of like weekly demoing so this this album has been filtered down and like prepared and considered and thought about throughout this whole pandemic yeah and uh it, it passed you know all of our tests and got our the songs that made the record are ones that everyone decided should be on the record it was hard to you know save some other stuff for a rainy day um, yeah 
but collectively we could I can honestly say we all agreed on the tracks that made this record being the best of all those songs. That was the demo process and again uh, everybody's skill set and home studio as varied as that may be, it could be bare bones or it might be a full blown recording studio. You never knew what you're gonna get. But it yeah. was always good. That's great, man. That actually sounds really fun. It was and everybody became a better engineer and a better you yeah. know, musician. I think that like there were there was a there was one particular exercise in day where everyone had to play an instrument they had never played before. So I think that I, I started wow. that week and I and I ended up borrowing a friend of mine's Paloma, which is like this Indian sitar like guitar and I <laughs> I made a loop to uh, to like sort of hang the tr- hang the, the piece of music on that was me like tapping the pickups of the guitar and uh-huh. fucking with it through some plugins and then I, I wrote a whole song around it and there was there was three or four songs that I contributed maybe more than that musically like I wrote the bed of music and none of them none of them are on this record but they they may be on future records cool yeah I again I, that sounds that's that me and you should do that. I would do that with just about anybody. I think that it's a fun process. You know, when you when you when you put like when there are roles to things. I mean, that's what I mean. Putting parameters on something parameters. like that. I think you get you wind up with something at least you can look at. You know. Yeah. Um, I'm jealous of that process. Maybe I'll convince. It's your guys to do the same thing. Get guys I, I, yeah, I mean, same thing. But I, I will say this: not every week was a win. Right? Yeah. There was there were. I'm not saying that like there were 56 or whatever, 70 weeks of um, like podium stance, you know, like tracks after that. Yeah. It was, there was some songs like, well, there's always the next week. You know, <laughs> like they were straight up hot trash. <laughs> but, um, but even though we had some songs that were duds, there were maybe one or two things that were recycled from that week or, you know, lessons learned that we moved forward with. Um, but just to just to be held accountable every week to yeah. record music and to be creative yeah. uh, for the course of probably eighteen months was man, I'm so glad we had that experience. You know, to that, I have obviously listened to your drumming for years and years, um, and watched you play. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but you've got a knack for making something sound simple. But then, if you dig into it, it's a lot more thoughtful than than people might might think. Um, and that includes your bass drum pattern on the verses for uh, Asphalt Meadows. Oh, yeah. At first, I was like, oh, I, I see this. This is almost like a, like an 80s, like, um, what was I thinking when I first heard it? Uh, we Got the Beat or something. You know, just like a... Oh, nice, so, yeah. And then, you li- and then you listen to it, and it feels like that. And it feels really good like that. And... And then I listened to it, and it's like, whoa, it's a little trickier than I thought it was. But it's all kind of illustrated, which is really interesting in production-wise. That kick drum pattern sticks out a lot more when the song gets sucked out and there's that sort of low-pass filter section. Right. And you can really hear the pattern there. I, then I thought, it was like, wait, is this like a samba thing or something? But, man, how do you do that? How do you make it sound so simple and it's... Yeah, funny. Asphalt Metal is a title track, and for anyone that will hear that song and think that they can totally just tap a constant foot, <laughs> I, I hope you can. Um, the song, the verses are in five four, and 
if you stripped out the drums and the rest of the instrumentation and like just paid attention to the bass line, it would, it would seem a little more angular. But something I have done since the beginning of time is make it my mission to play odd times like they're straight. And that's why, that's why there's a backbeat that just travels right through the song. But the bass drum is following and sort of phrasing what Nick is playing on the bass. It's a simple pattern. It's just it's just the one and the three of a five count. So one, two, three, four, five, 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 one, two, three. That's it. While just keeping time, playing eighth notes in the hi-hat and constant backbeat on the snare drum. And that's it's just an exercise from years of running across playing odd meters within four four time. It's not that complicated. But I'm, I'm glad that you said that at first it seemed fine and then it became more apparent that there's more to it. Because, again, it's supposed to appear less complicated for people that aren't to play fusion, <laughs> if you will. Not that it's a fusion track, but it's you can make odd times feel as odd as you want, but that does nothing to bring the general public into your music. So if, if you want to like put out your hand and like welcome people onto the dance floor or whatever they're doing, it should be it should be accessible, but I appreciate your you saying that there's more to it than that. Yeah, yeah, there is. I think there's some seven on a, a Foxglove through the clear cut, maybe like the verses are. Uh, no, Rand. Oh, is Rand that, I'm sorry. Yeah, that Rand McNally song. Yeah, that's right. And it and that feels like a four because I think the verse or the choruses are four, uh, something like that. Um, and you know that song, Rand McNally seems to harken back to van touring from, from Ben's lyrics, at least at the top. Yeah. And maybe uh, the kind of touring we all used to do earlier in our lives. And um, fortunately, at least you and I, I know, have, have been able to tour a little more comfortably. But lately, I have been thinking, what do I miss from that? And I don't miss much from it because I like to rest you know? <laughs> and it's not, it wasn't bad. I, it's, it's two folded. Yeah. I would never ever want to replace that experience with any, and I mean that, that experience is probably more important than any kind of touring I'm doing now, but agreed, you know, I don't want to go back to it. No, but like being a van and watching the sun come up, knowing you've got an eight hour drive ahead <laughs> of you before you have Brutal. to, yeah. before you have to make load in and then really do your work yeah. for the day. Like, yeah, I wouldn't replace that for anything either. And there's great stories around all those those band trips. But I enjoy yeah. the rest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> As you said, yeah. I feel so bad for bands who are opening for Death Cab who were like, oh, we'd love to see the show tonight. Yeah. we got to get a jump a on our drive tonight. Like, seriously, chase it up. We're going to drive three or four hours tonight, and then we'll drive the other six in the morning. Crazy. <laughs> it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah, but... Maybe if we were on the East Coast, we, we wouldn't sure. have that problem. But being on the West Coast is... The lonesome, yeah, crowded West. It's a commitment. Uh, yeah, right? But the one thing I, I was thinking about the other day is... And this is this is definitely on me, and I, I doubt that you have this. But every once in a while, I get out of touch with my drums on the kind of touring I do now. Versus back then where I was not only like setting them up and everything every night, but carrying them and... And then uh, by uh, naturally, I'm just you know I'm paying attention to my drums and I'm really in touch with them and I I can let I can let weeks go by with without doing anything but just going and sitting down and playing my drums again fortunate 
But lately, I've been thinking, and in fact, in the middle of the show, when there was about six lugs loose, I was like, I'd never <laughs> let this happen in the old days. I'd be so dialed. Um, you and I may differ in this department. Yeah. Um, I have a nickname, um, CJ, um, that's been given to me by my crew because I'm known as Crew Jason. Ah. Because I, I am so um, much of a hover and hands-on tour and it's even been it's even been like a point of discussion with the band like look dude we get that you like you know want to be on the deck and set up gear and put your cases but if you get hurt like we're not playing the show so you should have a drum deck <laughs> but this this goes back to me being the kid with all the catalogs sure and like obsessed with actual item numbers before I had my first music store job at 19 years old, you know, having a retail background. I mean, there was a time when I, I worked in three different drum shops over the course of six years. And one of them was trading musician and that, and my job there was not only retail, but, uh, and for people that don't know, trading musician is this great shop in, in Seattle. But, uh, one of my jobs there was to take in trade-ins and rebuild drums. Like if they needed love and help. So, sourcing parts and i mean i've been i have wrapped re-wrapped you know <laughs> de-lugged re-lugged built set up i have been a full-on drum gear studio engineering like full-on nerd of all things music related since i was 11 years yeah. old um and to this day when i order heads for tour Four months in advance, I'm sending an email to the rep using the actual manufacturing codes. Wow! Not what a, not what a person would say. So if you say I want to have a coded ambassador, yeah. I'm going to say I need a BA zero one one four because that's how my brain has always worked, and I love it. And it, it's always been fairly hands on. So when you say you've lost touch with drums, yeah. um, I I never lose touch with the thread count of a tension rod on my on any number of my drum sets, but I do lose touch with practicing mm. at times and like getting deeply, deeply into the, the art of drumming because of all the other stuff that life throws right. at you and because of the rest you need. And I don't know, maybe because I've done it for 35 years and it's, it's difficult to want to get out of bed and recognize making gains when you've been doing something for so long. But I will say, bringing it back to the band life, that when you're in a van and you're trying to make it and the bus seems unobtainable, I think there's a lot to be said for the amount of growth that musicians both need and experience in that window. When you're super obsessed with trying to make a career out of being a musician. Yeah. Um, it's like it's like those drives to Portland, right? When you're doing it all the time, you're so, you're like NASCAR, man. You're like Lewis <laughs> Hamilton. You're like, I am such a good driver because I spend so many hours behind the wheel, and I, I equate that to being on tour all the time, or or you know, moving your own drum, setting up your own gear. Like you really get to know yeah. your instrument, and that's been the greatest development. I mean, that's like all the jazz greats. You know, that's why they're so heavy. Yeah. Is like playing. You know, every night of the week, three-hour sets and moving all their own gear. They never practiced. All they did was play. All they did was work. Right. One other thing I got, I developed a real appreciation for tour managers. Yeah, right? And I just like, I just think the best 
person on the road is the tour manager. Gabe? And Gabe, Gabe in particular. Maybe it's just Gabe, but man. It's because we were all doing that tour managing back then on our own in a variety of ways. Oh, dude, I, don't, I, know, I know everything about my drums, but I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> um, I want to ask you this question. I've only asked a few drummers this, but I'd like to ask every drummer this. Um, this is a goofball question. And it's a goofball reference, but it'll be fun. If you could go get coffee with any drummer, living or dead, Bottom. any car you want, living or dead, what car, what drummer? Bonham, for sure. Okay. He had like all those hot, hot rods. You yeah. Know? So like, you take one of his hot rods? He was a car. Yeah, I'm sure I'm not the only guy that answered that question, but. I, yeah, I would say bottom. I mean, the guy has just fascinated me my whole life. Um, and I, I've heard stories about Bonham wanting to make different choices for the mm -hmm. records and the band constantly reeling him in and having him play far more simply than he wanted to and or was capable of. I mean, you hear that on a, on a lot of lives up on records, but, um, but can am I allowed to have a second choice? Yeah, that's if, fine. I mean, if, if Bonham just like I'm sorry, too many people have chosen yeah, John Bonham. He's he's busy. I, I would say, I would say Jackie Leibesy can. What car? Uh, probably something really fast on the autobahn. Mercedes, maybe. Yeah, Mercedes on the autobahn, and talking about his sort of theory behind patterns and sort of their cosmic place and, and the way that he developed his whole rhythmic system yeah um i think that he was so far ahead of his time as a player and with his sound palette he's could be could be my favorite drummer of all time yeah my last response to this was dave Grohl and a dotson 510 78 because i think that would <laughs> just be so fun that would be amazing. Yeah. Uh, but I've got a new one, and it would be George Hurley from the Minutemen and Firehose. Yeah. In D. Boone's Volkswagen Bug, the one that's on the cover of Double Nickels on a Dime. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. What a great record, too. Yeah. Talk about drumming influence. There it is right there for me. Well, hey, man, I'm going to let you go. Congrats on this record. When you get out there, travel safe. I hope to see you in a parking lot somewhere in the back of a venue or... That'd be great. At an airport. An another ball of rock or San Francisco. Yeah. Or I'll teach you how to play pickleball. Instead of running, we'll play pickleball. There you go. <laughs> right. Yeah. I do remember the run. I'm down from pickleball. I might, be, I might be seriously competitive when it comes to pickleball, so... If I get hurt on your watch because you draw the competition out of me, it's on you, buddy. Okay, that's fine. All right. Well, hey, thanks for uh, talking to me. Hope to see you, you somewhere bet. out there. Take care. All right, bye. Bye. Plaster walls, just letting all the shadows free. The 
Down, down. 